It's the second one. You want to get the, the holidays? <coughs> okay, yesterday we finished with the um, two, which is really five questions that the Rebbe asks on the Alter Rebbe's on the Alter Rebbe's Moshe. Anybody remember the questions? I mean, do you remember the questions? Oh, you weren't here. You say, okay, forget it. Forget it. It's all right. It's all right. No problem. It's still passed. No. Anybody remember the questions? Which is another way of asking, did anybody do uh, do review? Yeah? Okay, you're fair. So we ask the question that that's the second question, which is really four. We ask, what's the difference between the two verbs, makablam and mara, and the two adjectives, besever panim yafes and besever and panim sacred case, right? That's true, right? That he receives them graciously and shows them a joyous face. So what's the difference between receiving and showing? And what's the difference between gracious face, a gracious countenance, and a joyous countenance? Okay, that's true. And, but the first question is the bigger question. Oh, without review, it's all so makiftik. It just doesn't mean anything if you don't review. Right? Okay. Yeah. What's the aspect of Dedi Lianelu? No, we did that. We already a- answered. That's that's the marshal of, of of the Melech Besada. How Doidi Li Be'elul is the is the revelation of the Yidgumim Yisarachim. Aye. So then, how does it maintain the character of first Anila Doidi and only then the Doidi Li? Because it is a Nesinus Kayach. It's an empowerment and not an arousal from above. Right. That's what we said about that was our and, and what was the marshal for that? Melech Besada. Right. Melech is Besada. Anybody who wants to go see the king, the king receives them graciously and shows them a joyous face. The Rebbe asked a very powerful question. The question is, why is the response of the king part of the mushal of the Alter Rebbe explaining the notion of the king in the field? The king in the field is a mushal to explain to us two things about the revelation of the Yud Gimam Yitzharachim and those two things are Aleph, that it's the king is available for everybody. So the Yudgam is Rachim is something that affects every Jew, if they want. Base, it's not a Hisarus, it's not an arousal from above. It is only, so to speak, a Nasinus Kayach. It's only an empowerment. Those two ideas about the revelation of the Yudgam Midas Rachim and Elul are taught to us through the muscle of the king in the field. The king is in the field. Anybody who wants to go see the king can see the king, but you have to go. If you don't want to go, so you don't go. The king's not schlepping you. Right? Oh, but in the marshal, it doesn't just say the king is in the field and anybody wants to go go see the king. It includes the king's reaction, that he accepts us and shows us a joyous face. So our Rebbe asked on the altar Rebbe, why does the altar Rebbe include that part of the mushal in the mushal. Why is that in the, in the parable? Because after all, the, re, the response of the king to Ayurveda of Anila Doidi, the response of the king to Ayurveda, what is that and when is that? According to the Maimur, we already learned it. And uh, Rosh Hashanah? Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, And when's that? That's Tishrei, that's not Elul. Right? And where is that, so to speak? In the palace. In the palace, beautiful. He is doing review because he asked me a question. Right? And if you do review, then you remember the mimer, and the mimer actually affects your being. If you don't do review, you don't remember the mimer, and it has no effect whatsoever. 
the only thing you remember is the jokes I told. And even those are mediocre and you don't remember them anyway. That's why I can tell them over and over again and you still laugh. Okay, so that was the Rebbe's question. The response of the king to our Aveda of Anila Doidi in Elul, the response of the king is in Tishrei, in the palace. If we prepare an Elul, then we are privy to a more powerful and, and, and greater revelation on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's a revelation on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur anyway. The question is, how, how open are we to that revelation? It affects us. Every Jew, as we've talked about a number of times already, every Jew, every affiliated Jew is affected by the revelation of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur because everybody feels more Jewish on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur than they do on any other days of the year, no matter who they are. If it means they drive to shul, fine, that's their Jewish expression. If it means they eat pork on Yom Kippur, dafka, that's their Jewish expression. They're, they're Jewish. Only Jews do that. Only Jews are crazy enough to do such a thing. Right? Most of the people we know, like we're hanging there this year, the people you're going to be hanging around with, they're going to be davening more, sin- more sincerely. They're going to be talking about less things that have no real value. Why? Because it's Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, and Jews don't talk about silly things on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Why? Because they have a certain sensitivity to godliness on those days that they don't have on a normal day, and they might talk about how Australia is doing in the latest test, but not on Rosh Hashanah. And if you do, so stop, because it shows a complete lack of sensitivity to what's going on. You're in the king's palace, and you're going to talk about something that's completely irrelevant? No, we don't do that in Rosh Hashanah. We might on a normal Tuesday. But we just don't. Why? Because there's a revelation from above and it affects us. Aye. And if it doesn't affect us, then, then we have to really take stock because it means we're fairly insensitive to godliness. Right? We should think about that because almost everybody's affected one way or the other. Okay. Meaning to put it a slightly different way, to be sensitive to godliness in the normal every day takes a lot of work. Not to be sensitive to godliness on Rosh Hashanah or Yom Kippur is, is, it means there's something wrong. <laughs> right? To be sensitive on a normal day takes a lot of work. To not be sensitive, that's normal. It takes a lot of work to transcend that normalcy and be a person who's really connected. That takes, that's a lifetime of work. Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur, maybe just hitting us over the head. But, to what extent am I a cleave for that? How much do I internalize that? How much do I truly take advantage of that incredible revelation? That depends on my work in Elul. And so the response of the king is in Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. And what does he do in the Moshul? Anybody who goes to see the king in the field, what happens to them? Where do they go when the king retreats back to the palace? They go to the palace with the king. That's the Moshul, right? That's those. So, so why is the king's response in the field? The king's response isn't in the field. The king's response is to take us to the palace. And why is the king's response part of the mushal explaining Elul? The king's response, up until now, has been Tishrei. That's the question the Rebbe asked. It was a very powerful question in the mind. Incredibly powerful. Okay. And, you know, the more obviously, the more powerful the question, the more powerful the answer. The deeper, the, the, the deeper into the darkness of the question that you fall, because the question undoes everything you understood up until that point, plunges you into intellectual darkness, so the brighter the light that emerges from that darkness. That's why the light that's going to emerge from this gullus is really going to be something else. 
Because Golis is just one big question, but there's an answer, and that's called Mashiach. It's going to happen. Okay, that's Dalit. That's what we saw yesterday. So again, two questions, which are really four. The first question is, why is the response of the king included in the Maimon? The Alter Rebbe told us that the response of the king is what happens in Tishrei. The response of the king. There is a revelation of the king in, in Elul. That's called Yud Gemir That's before we approach the king. That's what empowers us to approach the king. But the response of the king is in Tishrei. So why is it in the Moshe? Question one. Question two. In the response of the king, there are four variables. Two verbs, two adjectives. He receives and shows. What's the difference between those? And he receives us graciously. He shows us a joyous face. What are those two different reactions of the king? And they're in that order. So obviously we assume the second one is slightly greater than the first one. Otherwise, what do I need the second one for? It's the same as the first. Okay. Those are the words where you know the, the action is starting in the Maimar. You could say the explanation of this. Usually when the Rebbe says, that means that you're not going to find this in any other mimer of any of the other Rebbeim. Otherwise, the Rebbe wouldn't say, you could say. The Rebbe would say, the Mittler Rebbe says, the Tzemach Sedek says. Yeshlemer means the Rebbe is saying what the Rebbe is saying. And you'll notice there's no footnote. One could explain the explanation. One could say the explanation is as follows. Bahakdim by first explaining, What's the novelty of the revelation of the Yudgam Amidasarachim in Elul? Legabe relative to Shai is looking at page three forty-five. I assume he's looking in the right place because you're flipping around over there. So if you look in 345, you'll probably be in the right place. He's looking at the last two lines on the left, in the left over there, all the way down at the bottom. Okay? <coughs> What's the difference between the Gilu of the Yud Gemir in Elul and the Gilu of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur? Now, we did say earlier, and let's see if anybody remembers... I'm not doing this to be annoying. I'm just interested in knowing if you remember. And you should also be interested in knowing if you remember. Shani and Kippur, they don't talk about it. You know, the Arizal is the source of that idea. Yeah? Revelation. Right? So what's the difference between the revelation of Yudgim Yisrachim in Elul and the revelation of Rosh Hashanah Kippur? Hu in Yonim. Two differences between those levels of revelation. Shebichdei lekabel that in order to receive Hagilui de Rosh Hashanah v'yom Kippurim in order, now, we have to understand this, in order to truly appreciate and connect to the, the greatest power of the revelation of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, Hu al Veda Nailis is through a very lofty Aveda. What do we have to become? We have to become like those people who are in the palace. Who's that? Mufchadim Shabam, the chosen people. 
of the of the of the nation, the school and the special people, right? Because not everybody gets to be in the king's palace. So if you want to be in the king's palace in Rosh Hashanah Kippur, meaning you want to truly appreciate and be a kli, be a vessel for the for the fullest extent of this incredible revelation that happens on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. And there's a revelation of God on Rosh Hashanah Yom Kippur. Like, this is not bubble mice. The, the, the cosmic reality, the metaphysical reality in the world is different on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur than any other days of the year. That's what a gilui means. That's what a revelation means. Right? There, are, there are different places in time where there are more or less powerful revelations of God. God is everywhere at all times. Lace asar panui mineh. There is no place devoid of him. What's a revelation of him? What do you mean? If he reveals himself in Peoria, Illinois, that means he wasn't in Peoria, Illinois anymore. The only reason Peoria, Illinois exists is because God's there. Because existence is God. Okay, so what does revelation mean? It means it's easier to be sensitive to the godliness in your midst. That's what revelation means. It doesn't mean there's more God. God's always there. It's all God. It's all there is. There's nothing but him. This table exists by virtue of the fact that God exists. It has no separate existence from God. But in a revealed way, what does this table do? It reveals its own existence and hides God's existence. Were it to reveal God's existence? Well, that would be a pretty interesting experience. That's what we're going to experience with Yemesa Mashiach. What that will be like is not so clear. How, how sensitive are we going to be to the physicality of the table? Evidently not too sensitive. We're going to have to remind ourselves that the table's physical. Right now, we do not have to remind ourselves of the physicality of the table. We have to remind ourselves of the godliness of the table. That's why we learned chassidus before davening. If you make some we'll learn physics before davening, so we'll be able to remember that if you put the sitter on the table, it won't fall. That's what the Rebbe says, Nasir. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't remember when he said it. There are, you know, a few thousand of them. I don't remember. But the Rebbe said What's the difference between Mashiach? What's the difference between Yemesa Mashiach and now? Now, existence, created existence, is obvious to us. And God is a chiddish. God is something we have to think about and sensitize ourselves to. Yemesa Mashiach, Elokus, godliness, will be what's obvious, and we'll have to remind ourselves of the existence of physicality of creation. That won't be so obvious. In this room right now, what is there? Both of those things are here equally, so to speak. This room full of God? Absolutely. That's what existence is. It's all Him. Okay, is this room full of physical reality? Absolutely. That's what we see. That's what we experience. 100%. Which of them is here, which of them is here more and which is here less, so to speak? Well, on the deepest essential level, what's here is only Elokus because everything only exists because of Him. It's just an extension and an expression of Him. Okay, don't think this is God. It's not God but it only exists because of the godly energy imbued in it, giving it existence. It has no separate existence from him. Like, the light coming out of that light is not separate from the electricity that's giving it life, even though godliness is much more than simply electricity. But it's a muscle we can use. Disconnect that from the electricity and no light comes out of it. Though you don't see the electricity, you just see the light. Now, we're not talking about the light coming out of it, we're talking about the very existence of the light bulb. Okay, that's when you talk about God, you're talking about the existence of the thing itself, not simply its, so to speak, light. But, put that aside. What's in this room? God and tables. Which one do we see? Tables. Which one don't we see? God. 
Why? Well, that's the way Elamaza works. It's the way the world works. If we were in a state of gilui, what would we see? We'd be much more sensitive to the godliness in the room. Right? That means we'd be less sensitive to the physicality in the room, less interested in the physicality in the room. Just wouldn't take up as, up as much space in our lives. Okay, well, that's what gilui means. There's more gilui elokus in Yerushalayim than anywhere else in the world. What does that mean? That means it's easier to be sensitive to godliness in Yerushalayim than it is in La Paz, Bolivia. Does that mean everybody in Yerushalayim is sensitive to God? Go on the street. Evidently not. Walk in Zal. Evidently not. There's all sorts of people in Zal during davening who are completely insensitive to godliness. They're in the back talking while people are trying to concentrate and talking to God. They're busy looking at their phone. There's people in the middle of talking to God will look at their phone. Completely insensitive to godliness. Completely. I'm going to bring, I'll turn this off for a minute. That's pretty insensitive. Okay. So it's not like it hits me over the head, but there's no question that your average person who has developed a little bit of sensitivity will be more sensitive to godliness in a base medrash than they are in, you know, in the dining room. Why? Well, because it's a place that has a little more revealed holiness. That's the nature of it, right? I mean, that's the way the world works. There's places like that. We're in this big place called Yerushalayim, a bigger place called Eretz Yisrael, which is a place of greater revelation than the rest of the world. Right? The godliness that comes into Yerushalayim comes in, into Eretz Yisrael, Bechlal, comes into Eretz Yisrael through the Levush of Yitzirah. I'm just saying something technical, but it does right? The Levush of Elam Yitzirah, whereas in the rest of the world it comes through the Levush of Elam HaSiyah. We learned that in, in, in the, the, the Rebbe Shab taught us that in Viadite Damascus, if you remember way back. Okay. So what does that mean? That means it's easier to be sensitive. doesn't mean that I am sensitive, it just means it's easier to be sensitive. That's what it means. Oh, okay. So now, Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. There's a revelation. It's a lot easier to be sensitive, like we were talking about before. It's a lot easier to be sensitive to godliness than Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. Again, I I would think it's reasonable we would all agree that you have to be somehow insensitive not to feel something. I mean, you have to be sort of like a block of wood not to feel something on Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. I mean, just to hear the first nigget, you melt. Start hearing... The beginnings of a Vinu Malkeinu before Mara of Rosh Hashanah night. Oh, oh, it's Rosh Hashanah. Wow, wow, wow. Okay. Fine. Now, that revelation is very powerful and affects us all. But to truly take full advantage of that revelation, I have to be in a very special place. Right? And that's what the Rebbe just said. Because there is a certain tension. On one hand, the revelation is so powerful it affects us all. So I don't really have to do anything. Right? Most Jews in the world have never heard of Elul, but they still go to Shul and Rosh Hashanah and Kippur. Right? They never heard of Elul. If you, I mean, in Eretz Yisrael they've heard of Elul because it's on the news. It says it's you know the second day of Elul and the you know second day of September. It says that at the beginning of the day, first Elul then September. Right? What's the first thing that happens on Israeli ra- radio at six in the morning when Israeli radio comes on? What happens? It, I mean, it's been on all night. In the old days, it used to be off all night, and it came on at 6 a.m. Now it's on all night, because we became modern. But what happens at 6 a.m. on Israeli radio, do you know? It's very cool. Shema Yisrael, Hashem Elokeinu, Hashem Echad. They say Shema Yisrael. Israeli radio. Say Shema Yisrael. And then they tell you what day it is. But they tell you first in Elul, in the year Tafshin 
INTES, and then they say it's the 2nd of September, you know, 2000 and whatever. It's very cool. Shema <laughs> Yisrael is the first thing after the beep for 6 o'clock. That's the entire year? Yeah, 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 yeah. Six o'clock shot. I think it's six o'clock. Yeah, I think that's. Right. I mean, that it used to. There wasn't radio at night. It shut off at twelve o'clock. Right? There was no radio from twelve o'clock to six o'clock, and then you know, I mean, things changed. Right. So there were no buses after twelve o'clock. There was nothing. Now there's still most buses don't run, but you can get around. There's a bus out there. Right? Everything shut down at twelve o'clock. So the radio also stopped. But um, if you wanted the news at one a.m., you had to listen to BBC. So then whatever they said, you knew the opposite happened and everything was fine. <laughs> so, right. so, so, so the, 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 the revelation, the revelation affects me in terms of my ability to be sensitive. But Rosh Hashanah and Kippur, so that, that revelation affects everybody. But the, 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 in order to truly take advantage of it, and that's what the Rebbe's talking about here, I have to be on a very high level. Okay? After the brackets, ubichdei, whereas bichdei lekabel hagilui deelo, in order to receive, to be privy to the revelation of Elul. Now, on one hand, we'd say that's harder, right? Because it's much more subtle. Okay, that's true. It doesn't affect everybody. But in order to take advantage of that, like I would try to take it full advantage of Tishrei. Well, in order to take full advantage of Tishrei, I have to be in a very, very high level. Right, I think we talked about this yesterday, right? The Rebbe, Ne'ilo, Yom Kippur, wouldn't let us see his face. Would cover up his face with the towels. Right? Weren't allowed to see that. I mean, the, the, the Rebbe was somewhere where we weren't allowed. Right? Now, the Rebbe's not doing that because he's from California and thinks it's cool. Right? He's doing that because that's where he is, and we're not there, and we can't be there. So he literally covered up his face, and the Rebbe just doesn't do shtick like that. I mean... Right? It just doesn't do anything like that. All right. We talked about it yesterday, didn't we? A couple mm-hmm. of days ago, and then right yeah. at the march, Rebbe would uncover his face. Okay. So the Rebbe is taking full advantage of that moment in time. Do we? No. Does it affect us? Absolutely. No question. But are we on the level where we can really tap into that? No. That takes incredible Aveda. That's serious stuff. I'm not there. Okay, that's Tishrei. What about Elul? Surikha said the Rebbe says rock, you know, like rock. Only. For us, this only isn't exactly an only, it's real work, but okay. And in order to receive the revelation of Elul, Surikha, it's necessary to be rock only. To receive the king. We just have to go see the king. What's Elul about? Go see the king. It's in the field. Go see him. It's not so hard. He's there. Oh, and what's that in the nimshel? What's that in the analog? What does it mean to go see the king? Which I would imagine people have been asking, right? Okay, there's this mushal, the melech besada. What does that mean? What am I supposed to do? I get in a car and I find some field in the Galil and I go hang out in the middle of the field and, I, and then I, that's it. I've done tshuva. No. So what does it mean to go see the king in the field? The king's in the field. What, do I, what am I supposed to do in Elul to take advantage of this? So the Rebbe says, the benim shal, who he's erudus, it's the arousal that we do to ourselves. Not that the Abish is doing it, right? Because the Abish is giving, from the Abish there's only the nasinus kayak, there's only the empowerment. Any arousal has to come from below. These erudus, hakabalas el malchishemayim. What does it mean? What does it mean to go see the king in the field? 
realize that the Abishta is your king. That's what it means. You don't have to go anywhere to change your conscious reality. The Abishta is king. He's in charge. You're makabal o. You take upon yourself the oak. Now, some people, yoke, sorry. Some people, they, they, oh, that's all they say. Kabbalah soul, Kabbalah soul. Yoke, 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 yoke. So you have this, you know, 5,000 pound piece of cement on your neck. No, no. Say the last two words. Kabbalah soul, malchus shemayim. You're accepting upon yourself the yoke of the kingship of heaven. You're entering into a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch. That's what Kabbalah soul means. Kabbalah's old means I have a relationship with the Kaddish Baruch But a relationship demands something, which is very, very annoying. I mean, some people find it annoying. It's called commitment. A relationship with anybody other than myself demands that I commit to that relationship, and that means I give. If my only relationship is, in with, is with myself, so then I don't give anything. I'm just interested in taking Every now and then, God gives me something that I like, so I'll take it. Whether what God gave me was a new BMW, or what God gave me was some nice, warm, fuzzy, spiritual feeling sometimes. So I like that. I'll take that. Thanks, God. I'm into our relationship now. It's nice. It feels good. Thank you very much. But when it doesn't feel good, I'm not interested. I'll play on my phone. Why? Because what am I committed to? Myself. It's the only thing that matters. Am I getting something that's making me feel good about me? Or even feel bad about me, but it's at least, you know, taking up the time in a way that's less painful than other times. That's called precasol. That's throwing off the yoke. What yoke? But it's not stomach yoke. It's a beautiful yoke. It's the yoke of heaven. It's the yoke of Malchus Shemayim. It's the yoke of having a relationship with the Kodesh Baruch. That's what El is about. What does it mean to go see the king in the field? It means one thing. There's a king. <laughs> That's all it means. Okay, he's in the field. What does that mean he's in the field? It means that for you and I to make a certain change in our lives and to somehow become sensitive and appreciative of the fact that the Abishta is interested in a relationship with us and that means that we can have that relationship, but the relationship isn't on our terms, it's on his terms. Why? Because he's king. And when you have a king, the relationships aren't on your terms, they're on his terms. He doesn't need your vote. He doesn't have to, you know, make your factory work so you'll vote for it. He makes your factory work because he loves you. He cares, and all he thinks about is you. Okay, beside him. But he's still king. He's also your father, Avinu Malkeinu. But he's king. In Elo, king. In Tishrei, the beginning of Tishrei, king. The beginning of Tishrei, we talked about this yesterday. The beginning of Tishrei, the revelation is in the Kav of Yira. The Kav of all. The end of Tishrei, well, from the mid, you know, after Yom Kippur on, so then it's much more the Kav of Simcha, the Kav of Ava, Sim, Sukkot. But the beginning is definitely the Kav of Yira, there's no question. Days of awe, it's, it's heavy times. But what's it heavy times about? God, who's a blast. But he's not warm and fuzzy and cuddly, which is what I want him to be. I just want him to be this cuddly little thing that I can cuddle up to and always oh, so sweet so cute and he's always so good he is always good sometimes he's tough as nails right? he's just like, a, like unbelievable right he's a king 
kings have to make things happen, right? And sometimes to make things happen, you have to push a few people around, and sometimes to make things happen, you just have to watch and make and everything's happening, and it's good, and it's great, and you just shower revealed goodness on everybody. Right. Sometimes that isn't the way it works. Right? Why? It's, it's not working. You got to you know, push a few buttons and take control. Elul, God's king. God's real. There's really a God. It's not like an interesting idea to make people's lives have meaning. It's not why there's a God. There's a God because there is. Why? There's no answer to that question. He just is. Where did he come from? Right? We've been through this many, many times, but it's a meditation that every single one of you has to do constantly. When you ask yourself about a Kodesh Baruch Hu, what do we know about God? Very little. What do we know about him? That he is. That's the one thing we know. We don't know what he is, but we know that he is. Okay. What do you know about him? Where did he come from? Didn't. Just is. What's the purpose of his existence? There isn't one. Very easy for you to say, and for me to say, when I say you, I mean all of us, right? Very easy for us to say, well, he exists because he had to create me. Right, that's why God exists. God exists to create me. No, he did create me, but that's not why he exists. He exists just because he is. Where did he come from? Same question. Sorry, no answer. He didn't. Where did I come from? Him. Where did he come from? He didn't. Well, when did he start? He didn't. What do you mean? He's just there? Yeah, he's just there. What does that mean? Well, think about that for a while, and you realize that that doesn't... I, I don't know. I can't wrap my head around that. I, I have no pretext, to context, sorry, to deal with that. I, 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 what does that mean? That's what he is. Is there such a being? Yes. Absolutely, 100%. Whoa. He wants a relationship with me? Yes. He cares about me? Yes. He created you. Why would he create you if he doesn't care about you? Right? Okay. Everything you are is about him. Oh, that's El. Kabbalah soul. Go see the king in the field. Get it straight. Get the priorities right. That's El. And you know what? He gives us the ability to do that in a way that's a little easier than the rest of the year. That's how he paves the road, but we still have to do the work. But he gives us, like, pushing us along. We'll see what that push means as we go further in the Maimon. There's another Kiddush, there's another unique aspect of the revelation in Elul. Shagilui hu that this revelation is Gamla Ela Nimsaim Bamidbar de It's also to those people who are found in the desert of the other side. In other words, in the spiritual desert. I but wait a minute. The kings, where's the king? In the field. Where isn't the king? It's not in the desert. Because what does the desert represent? Everything that's devoid of Exactly. Couldn't be said better, right? Say it louder, Gabby. That was perfect. Everything that's devoid of godliness. That's the desert. I Meaning there is no absolute desert. I make a desert. Right? There's no desert. But I can make a desert. What do I I can take my life and turn it into a life devoid of godliness if I want. I can do that. Now, in all fairness, we've talked about this before, but it is important to think about, right? If I made the world, I would not let people not know that I made the world. I would make sure that they knew it was me. Right? My name would be everywhere. Right? They'd know. I wouldn't let anybody write a book 
about how the fact that I don't exist. I wouldn't let him write the book. In the middle of the book, I'd zap him dead. <laughs> right? God gives the guy energy while he's writing the book. All of the energy he's getting to write the book is coming from the being he's denying the existence of in the book. That'd be a very interesting population control one. Yes. What a cool guy. God is so cool. He is so chilled. It's unbelievable. He will actually give people existence. And while they're existing solely by virtue of the fact that he exists, he lets them deny his existence. I just wouldn't do that. I mean, would you do that? I just somehow I'd make them know that it's me. Like, you know, eat not maybe not right away, you know, maybe like so I would, you know, let them stew in their juice for a while and then zap them. Ah! I'll show you. You know, how long would I last? I don't know. A couple of minutes, maybe an hour, maybe a day. God, a whole lifetime. A person will go through their whole lifetime. He'll give them 85 years of life, of energy, of existence, and the whole time, all they do is deny him. And that's the power of free choice. Okay, but that means he's pretty cool. He gives you that. You wouldn't. You'd make me know that you did it. Because you're as hung up as me. God's not hung up. He's just the coolest. But, that being said, he's interested in a relationship with us. He, and, and, and what makes the relationship real? That free choice. That free choice, Elias just talked about, that's what makes it real. No question. Okay. And what's Elul? Elul is a time when the Abishter gives us a little bit of a push, a little bit, he paves the road to allow us to reconnect to what's real in, in, a, in a way that we'll probably be a little more successful at it, meaning what might be more difficult during the year might be a little less difficult or easier depending on the, on the, on the project in El. That's El. And even those people who are found in the Midbar de Lumas, even those people who are found far away, and every single one of us has created our own little Midbar relative to certain parts of our life, little places where we don't let God in. It's a Midbar. Ukemuvan is understood, gam mizeh, also from the fact that Iker Hagilui, the Yudgam Amidas Arachim, the essential revelation of the Yudgam Amidas Arachim, Shabbat Elul. What is Elul? Simply, Hunasinus Kayachal Chuva, right? This thing called Chuva, this mystical, magical word, Chuva. What's Chuva? Well, the Rebbe's going to explain. The Chuva Kapshuta, the simplest expression of the notion of Chuva. Not the only expression. The deepest expression of the notion of tshuva is returning your soul to its source, which has nothing to do with the Vegas. Right? It, it's an existential reality of the fact that your soul came from a place of absolute revealed godliness and was thrown down into this body that has a nefesh of Bahamis, an animal soul, and, and physical characteristics. And that godly soul is stuck with those two interesting neighbors and it has to figure out how to manage with those two neighbors that were both, you know, screaming and playing loud rock and roll and partying all night. And he's trying to, you know, meditate on godliness. And he's got all this noise around him, right? And, they, you know, they throw their garbage into his yard. And, and, and he's, it's, like, really hard to live with these people. Okay, so that, that's, that's the... And that neshama has to return to its source. That's tshuva on the deepest level. And so that's an existential reality that relates to all of us. 
There's also tshuva that's response to a particular act that I might have done that's contrary to why I'm here. It's called an evade. Right? Okay, so there's tshuva. I have to respond to that. I have to change. I have to return. Okay, so there's that tshuva. And that's the tshuva the Rebbe's talking about here. Tshuva kapshuta, the simplest expression of tshuva, which is what Elul is about, right? He, alinyonim bilti ritsuyim, is relative to undesirable things. And what are that? That's Bechinus Midbar. The simplest pshat in Elul is that it's all about Midbar, taking the Midbar and moving it to the Sadeh. The Ikra Tshuva, the essence of Tshuva, who al Prikasol. What's Prikasol? It's the opposite of Kabbalasol. What's Prikasol? Throwing off the yoke. Throwing off the yoke. What's an Aveira? An Aveira is I throw off the commitment. I deny the commitment I made to a Kodesh Baruch I have an adulterous relationship. Check. I, I've committed myself to a certain relationship, but I'm interested in other ones also on the side. My relationship to, you know, this of this taifa and this taifa and this taifa, whatever it happens to be. Okay. So that's called precasol. Okay, so then what's the obvious response to precasol? Kabbalasol. Go see the king in the field. Right? I mean, that, that's just the simple shot of it, which is it's very simple and straightforward. In fact, not easy and very real, but very simple. It's not, it's not something that's difficult to understand. The tshuva kapshute, he alinian bilti returns, reading that line again, bechinus midbar, the iker tshuva, who al prekasol. Tshuva is a response to the prekasol. So what do I do? Kabbalasol, the opposite. Demizem muvan, from this it's understood, shagilui de'elu, the revelation of Elul, the power of Elul, who gamla elashem betachli sarichu. It's even of those people who are the farthest away. Elul can affect them also. Now, they have to allow Elul to affect them and they have to bring about, they have to do what they have to do themselves, right? I mean, it's not that the Abish is not going to do anything. He's not going to lasso us and pull us in. But the opportunity is there for everybody. Now, it's very interesting. This aspect of, the, of, of Elul and Melech Besada, this is our Rebbe. The Alter Rebbe does not talk this way. The Alter Rebbe talks only about the Sada in the field. Our Rebbe talks about the Midbar. Expands the horizons of Melech Besada. It doesn't mean that that's not what the Alter Rebbe thinks, but our Rebbe is the one. Can I turn this on again before I melt? Well, the Rebbe here calls um, Jews who are far away. He calls them far away, but he also responded to the term "kirva um, as improper. Right. So where, how, how does he draw the line? Meaning, like, meaning that their their actions have definitely created a situation where there's a certain distance from a Kodesh Baruch Hu, but that's not existential. We'll see what the Rebbe's going to say. That the Yudgim Yisrachim affect that Jew, the Jews in the discotheque. Okay, God doesn't reveal himself in the discotheque. Why? Because the discotheque is the midbar. It's a place devoid of godliness. Now, it only exists because God's giving it energy to exist, but we understand that. But it's a place that's all about concealing godliness. Okay, fine. And accentuating physicality. Fine. Physicality in a negative sense, because physicality isn't anti-God. Tefillin are physical. They're pretty godly. So it's not physical and spiritual. That's not the that's not the the idea. Because there's phys- there's spirituality which completely denies God. It's called the Vedasara. Right? Idol worship is spiritual, but it's as anti-God as murder. 
which is pretty physical. Right? So it's not physical, spiritual, but there are, but you know, physical reality is certainly something that makes it easier to distance oneself from elokus. Okay. So that discotheque is the midbar. So the Abishter isn't revealing himself in the discotheque, but what is the Rebbe about to say? The, Rebbe, the, the Abishter reveals himself in the Jew in the discotheque. Because that Jew is really close. But he's put himself in a place that's far. So when the Rebbe's talking here about Rechoikim, your question is a very good question. When the Rebbe's talking about Rechoikim, he's not talking about the nature of that Jew. He's talking about where the Jew has put himself. There are places that are very far from Elokus in a revealed way. It's just the nature of the place. Go, you know, not you, you know, someone hanging around in an ashram in India. Well, that's pretty far from God. The first Chabad house in India was opened in a place called Pune. Why? Because the most popular guru was in Pune, and the ashram was packed. And who else? Who you know was packed with who? Lots of Indians, lots of Jews, right? lots of Israelis. Right? Okay, so but Salo Kupchuk and his wife went there. They, they are, by that time they had seven, eight kids. They weren't, you know, a 22-year-old couple wet behind the ears. They had seven or eight kids, and they went there once for Purim because they heard there were a lot of Israelis, so they flew, to, flew there for Purim. They, you know, deposited some kids here, some kids there, took, I guess, the youngest kids, went there for Purim, made a Purim. Packed. I said, whoa. So we better come back for Pesach. So they came back for Pesach. Then they moved there. <laughs> they moved the whole show, all of them, with the, you know, seven or eight of them. They moved to Pune. He still lives there. They moved to Pune. Opened up a Chabad house in Pune. Wait, it's late. We have to start. Opened up a Chabad house in Pune. Still there. Ah, but it's very quiet. Why is it quiet? The guy died. <laughs> the guru died. So the ashram sort of fell apart. So it's now no longer the center of all of this Avedazara. So he doesn't have hundreds and hundreds of people flowing through his Chabad house. He's still there. I mean, you know, there's things happening. and People still... I mean, Israelis still travel to India and they still go to Pune, but it, it, it's not the draw it was. What was the draw? Right, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and he was just, you know, he, was just, he didn't have to fish with a line, he fished with a net. He was just, you know, pulling them in into his Chabad house. It's packed. My son worked in that Chabad house for six months. He said, it was just unbelievable what was going on over there. <laughs> you just walk over to that side of town and wait outside the ashram as the Israelis come out to go get the falafel on the other side of town. And just, you know, <laughs> schlep them in. Okay, let's finish the line with the Rebbe. All right? And then we'll stop. So Elul's for the people who are in the Midbar. Now, that's not that God reveals himself in the Midbar, because like you guys said, rightfully so, the Midbar is a place devoid of godliness. I mean, it's not that it exists absolutely, it's a place that you and I have created that's devoid of godliness. Only humans can create such a place. Okay. So read one more line and we'll stop. Those who are farthest away. And that which it says... It's in the Sada Midbar and not in the Midbar. Who is the revelation of the Yudgam Yisrachim? Who loyba Midbar Atzma? It's not in the Midbar itself. That in things that are the opposite of the will of God, it's not relevant. They're not places of revelation. Ella, 
Just the next three words and we'll stop. Be Yisrael and Nimsayim Bamidbar. The revelation of the Yudgim Amidas Arachimim and Elul is in the Jew who's found in the Midbar. The Jew in the discotheque, in that Jew, there's a revelation of the Yudgim Amidas Arachim. The Jew in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the bar in Machne Yehuda. In that Midbar, no pun intended, there's a Gilui of Yudgim Amidas Arachim. In the bar itself, in Yerushalayim, Irakaydish, the holiest place in the world, it's possible to make a place of absolute darkness. Just walk down the street. Absolute darkness. Complete and total antithesis to anything Jewish, holy, uplifted, edel. Right here, Yerushalayim. Even Maya Note, the light of Maya Note, somehow can't illuminate that place. It's still there. Places are here. It's funny because they weren't there when Mayanot opened here. They're new. They used to be there on Ben Yehuda. They wanted to come closer to Mayanot so they started they moved them all to here. Yeah. Mm.